0: We ask that you, Lord, be in our homes, be in our minds, in our hearts. Lord, I pray that these words that uh, uh, you've impressed on our heart, these words, Lord, that they would fall on fertile soil, prepare our minds and hearts to receive from you. We ask and pray these things according to your will. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you and receive it. Amen and amen. Yeah. The title of today's message is, My Dreams or His? That's the question. Is it what we want, or is it what the Lord wants? Yeah. And here's the thing I want to remind us all of, is Father God has a plan. He has a dream um, that He wants to accomplish, and He wants to accomplish through you. In Jeremiah 29, 11, everyone knows that verse. It's a very popular verse, and it it, said, it goes like this. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans... He talks, he says, for a hope in a future, not to harm you, but for a hope in the future. Yes, this is Old Testament. Yes, he's speaking specifically to Jeremiah. But the principles are the same throughout the Bible, old and new. Jesus said himself uh, that he didn't come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. And here's what we got to remember. He said in Malachi, I'm the Lord and I do not change. So the principles are the same. If he said to David, and if he said to Jeremiah, I have plans for you, I knew you yet while you were in your mother's womb, I had a plan and a purpose for you, he has that same thing for you and I today. There's a plan and a purpose. Not to harm you, but for a hope in the future. That hope in the future is to be with him. God wants this is what he wants. He wants a family. He wants a family to be with him. He doesn't want to force people or have a creation that is obligated to be a part of his family. But um, here's something I've realized in life. You can't make someone love you. You can't make them want to be with you. It's something that they choose to do or not do. The fact of the matter is uh, God's plan was evident in the Garden of Eden. It said that He walked and talked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. We know that He created man in His own image so that so that He could have fellowship with man. But then enters Satan. He tricked and lied to Eve and, and, and subsequently the fall of man. They sinned. And, and sin cannot inhabit the same place that God is. It, it's not possible. So no longer could he walk and talk with man the way that he could before. And, and right then, he established his plan. Even though things didn't work out, even though um, Satan seemed to have won temporarily. God said right then, he cursed uh, the serpent, and he says that there would be enmity between you and man. That you would strike man's heel, but man would crush your head. And that's what Jesus Christ did on Calvary. Yes, it seemed for a moment that Satan had won, that Christ had died on the cross. But we know, and we had just celebrated, that Jesus not only died, but He resurrected on the third day. Amen? He is that plan of redemption. And here's the dream that God has. God has a dream, and this is it. In John 3.16, whoever believes in Him, we all know that. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And John 14, 6, Jesus Himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. We read again in uh, Matthew 26:39, uh, 39. Um, Jesus is praying in the garden, and He says, Father, if possible, let this cup pass from Me. Yet not My will be done, but Your will be done, Lord. In John uh, 6, 38, it says, uh, Not my own will, but your will. Jesus is saying, I don't do my own will, but I do the will of the Father who sent me. All these passages are pointing to this. God's plan of redemption. God's plan for a family reunion. uh, God's plan for us to be family in eternity. That is what he's trying to do. That is God's dream. is to reunite his family. We were never meant for death, hell, and the grave. That's evident in in the Garden of Eden, when we read in Genesis, God had created a plan for us to live with Him, and commune with Him, and to be fruitful and multiply. He wants His family to grow. He wants a big family. And He established that plan for redemption through Jesus Christ. Jesus was spent by the Father to provide a path of restoration, to bring us back into right relationship with the Father. Here's a story that I want to read in Mark 14 that illustrates that. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark 14, and we are going to be talking about or reading the story of Jesus being anointed at Bethany. So let me begin to read that. Now Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way, some sly ways to arrest Jesus and kill him. haters are gonna hate, but not not during the feast, they said, or the people will riot. So I'm gonna come down here and uh, it says that while he was in Bethany reclining at a table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured it over his head. Some of those present were saying, indignantly to one another. Why waste this perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages, and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. But this is what Jesus says. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them at any time you want but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial, because he knew where he was gonna be going. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And we're doing that right now. And it says, then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. And they were delighted to hear this and promised him money. What's going on in this verse? What what do we have going on? We read that same story in uh, John chapter 12, uh, where um, it says that uh, Mary anointed Jesus' feet with oil and she washed his feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. And this is a similar story here. And. Um, What's going on is is this. There's three questions that we want to ask and answer. Why was Jesus in this bad place with these sick people? Bethany means house of affliction. And he was eating with someone named Simon the leper. So he's in this place that's called affliction. And he's eating with this sick person. Why was he there? The second question is... Why was the woman's gift of perfume so important? The third question we're going to ask and answer today is, Why did this incident provoke Judas to betray Jesus? Three questions. We're going to have three answers. So here we see that Jesus is at Simon the leper's house. In those days you didn't associate with lepers. Lepers lived on the outskirts of the town leprosy was very contagious and there wasn't a known cure for it at that time and it was very very it was death leprosy would eat away at your limbs and, and, and you, people had body, body parts falling off all this thing and yet here we see Jesus is having dinner at Simon the leper's house why is he there why is he in this place the town itself is a call called affliction. There's a reason why places had names. There was a history in that town. There was a reason why it was named that. So, why was Jesus here? Here's the answer. Jesus sees people differently than you and I see people. We look at people, and, and oftentimes, whether we want to admit it or not, we try to see how they can benefit us. People talk right now, there's a lot of language out there about privilege. This people have privilege, that people have privilege, and it's not always what you think, because I'm going to tell you this, uh, good-looking people have privilege. Have you ever seen a a, uh, ugly or obese news anchor or news reporter or game show host? Probably not. Are there people out there who perhaps aren't quite as attractive, who are more qualified? Probably. Do you see short people in the NBA? Not very often. We see people for how they can be a benefit. Are they good looking? Are they smart? Are they intelligent? What skill sets do they have? Um, What can they offer us? Are they a benefit to me? Or are they a distraction? But here's the thing. Jesus looks at the heart. You can have a good looking person with evil intent. You could have a talented person, highly intellectual, that has an evil heart, and evil mind. Jesus looks at the heart of the person. He sees the redemptive potential that they have. That's why he's there. He didn't see a sick man with leprosy. He saw a man who was faithful and just. He didn't see a woman who was uh, just trashed by society and perhaps made a lot of mistakes in her life. He saw her heart, that she had a redemptive mindset, that she was kneeling before Jesus and worshiping Him. He saw her true potential. He saw her heart in the ways that she was worshiping Him. Jesus views people differently than we do. So here's the thing, if we are to be like Christ, shouldn't we also begin to look at the world through the lenses of Jesus Christ? Shouldn't we also look at people's potential? And to look at people's heart question number two why was the woman's gift of perfume so important and and this is interesting Um, she gave away her dream let me explain that that alabaster box with the costly perfume that there's even songs written about and that the people were talking about over a year's wages by some estimated standards, that would have been a jar of perfume worth nearly $50,000. And what that was, was her dowry. Her dowry, back in that culture, in that time, a dowry was provided by the family for the bride to present to. The groom, to the husband, to ensure that there was going to be provision. If anything ever happened, if he got sick and died, she would have something to sell, and something to happen. This dowry would ensure, one, that she would get married, and that they would have um, prosperity in their marriage. But what she's doing here, her hope for a husband, her hope for a family, her hope for provision, she broke it and poured it on Jesus. She was saying, you will be My provider. You will be my protector. You are my hope for a future. I'm not putting that hope, I'm not saving it for a man, but I'm giving it to you as my Lord and my Savior. I'm giving you my everything. I'm trading my dreams for your dreams. You're my Savior. You're my Lord, absolute ruler. She sacrificed everything in that time. The family probably couldn't give her another dowry at this point. That was all she had to offer to a potential husband but no what she did was made Jesus her husband in the sake of being her savior right mm-hmm. Jesus was that thing that that dowry was supposed to be and she anointed him with that oil yes it was costly but it was the sacrifice more than anything than the cost of the oil it was the exchange what that oil represented besides money it represented her future and she gave it to Jesus. Her plans, her dreams for his plan, his dreams. So, why did this incident provoke Judas to betray Jesus? We read in this story and we read also in um, John 12 where it said that we could sell this perfume, we could have sold it to help the poor. He already had the purse. Judas Iscariot was the treasurer for Jesus' ministry, and it said that he would help himself to the purse. He didn't care about the poor. He wanted to have more access to, to money. He was a greedy man. And this is what happened. When Jesus defended her doing that, and he realized that Jesus isn't looking for more money. Jesus isn't looking for more power or attention. He is uh hanging out with sick people, and down-and-outers, and people who are downtrodden, he realized that Jesus wasn't going to be the earthly king that he had hoped. Because this is what uh, Judas's hope was. Judas was hoping Jesus would be an earthly king, and would come into power, and he would rule and reign with Jesus, and he would be part of the uh, government that Jesus was uh, established here on earth because he recognized through Jesus' action and defending this lady and eating with these lepers and eating with the sinners that this wasn't going to happen. He says, well, I've got to get mine. I'm going to get mine while I can still get it. And so he went and hatched a plot with the others uh, to betray Jesus for some money, 30 pieces of silver. So sad. Because the reality of it is, he sacrificed some earthly pleasures and betraying Jesus, because he wants to rule and reign with Jesus here on earth? The truth of the matter is, if you're faithful and just, and, and you, you stick with the Lord, and you serve him with all your mind, your heart, your soul, and your strength, and you and you are faithful, and your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, we read later that uh, if we endure these hardships, that we will reign with him. It says in uh, 2 Timothy 2.12, there will come a time where we will rule and reign with Jesus Christ, but it is in His time, in His way, not here on earth, not at this time, not like Judas wanted it to be. So here's some thoughts of reflection. Number one. Do we have an under under excuse me an unsurrendered dream in our life that we're keeping that's keeping us from serving the Lord obediently? or to be a generous giver and being obedient to God. Let me read that again. Do you have an unsurrendered dream in your life that you are keeping, that's keeping you from serving the Lord or giving obediently? Is there something unsurrendered? Number two, do you have an unsurrendered dream that is causing problems in your marriage or family? Is your life self-centered or God-centered? See, we all have a plan that we think is good. We all have a plan that we think is right. My plan, when I was a young man, because I grew up poor, I wanted to be a multimillionaire, And I thought I was going to do that through real estate. Uh, there was one time that I, I chose upon myself, not consulting with my wife, this is what I'm going to do. I have this opportunity. I bought five, four-unit apartment buildings i had a duplex and i poured a lot of money and time and energy and sweat equity into these things and i can't remember exactly it was was over a million dollars of real estate 1.2 something like that million in real estate that i had control over and i was wheeling and dealing and i was working things and for a short time it seemed good but when it was bad it was bad it caused a lot of stress on my marriage. It, it took me away from my family. I, was, I spent more time fixing and then dealing with the apartments than I was pouring into my family. I was doing those things. Pursuing, pursuing earthly wealth. That was my dream. It wasn't God's dream for my life. God's dream for my life was to be doing what I'm doing now. Full-time ministry. But I didn't want that because I had seen... Some examples that I didn't like, and uh, I said, You know, I'll serve him in my local church, but I'm not going to do that. It caused a lot of stress. My dream wasn't lining up with God's dream. And when your dream doesn't line up with God's dream and His will, it's going to cause stress. It's going to cause stress in your life, in your marriage, in your relationship, in your work environment. See, you choose sometimes what course of study you're going to do. Uh, what career you want to have, because of the wage or benefits that they might have. What you should be doing is praying to the Father and saying, what would you have me to do? What have you gifted me for? What area do you want me to uh, be employed and have a career in? Seek His will above all else. That's one thing. Some people don't give because they have a fear in their heart that if I give Am I, and I'm faithful in my tithes and my offering? there won't be enough for me. Well, God is a God of more than enough, and obedience is better than sacrifice. He calls us over and over to test Him in this. Again, we have this battle of wills. Is it your will and your dream over God's will or His dream? Do you have a, a surrendered, uh, unsurrendered dream that's causing problems in your relationships? Do you have it, is it causing problems in your serving God? you know what when some of the areas and churches that are the the most difficult to fill are nursery and children's church why because that's not what people want to do i don't want to deal with the kids i don't want to deal with the crying babies is it about what you want or are you an obedient and willing servant Ready to serve anywhere. I have people who want to get on the stage all the time, but they won't help me clean the toilets. They won't help me on cleanup day. They're not going to get out here and do the things that it's going to take. They might show up, but what are they doing? Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're faithful. You've been to the cleanup days. Look around. Who's not there? Who's not helping? Who's not serving? Again, a battle of the wills. Their will. I don't feel like it. Or I feel like I should have more opportunity. I'm not a janitor. Well, here's the thing. Jesus said, in His kingdom, the greatest of all will be the servant of all. The last will be first, and the first will be last. Bottom line, is your life self-centered? Is it all about you and your will? Or is it God-centered? Here's something I want to clue you in on. Your fights, the biggest fights that you have in the relationships, aren't about the thing that you're fighting about. It's about the dream. Let me explain that. <coughs> my wife used to fuss at me about some of my real estate adventures. And we'd argue about that. But my, my stuff, me doing those things, were going against her dream of having a me home. Her dream of having a, a functional family. Her, her dream of having a father pouring into their children. Her dream of having some security of a, a nest egg, a little savings in the bank and not work, uh, working week to week, paycheck to paycheck. And my dream was, if I do this, there will be more than enough later. But it was jeopardizing her dream now of being secure and comfortable. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, it's not the person or the thing, it's about the dream, the motivation behind it. When you start to realize that, you can squash arguments a little bit sooner, and especially if you submit yourself to the Lord. It's always about the dream. When you trade your dream for His dream, there's going to be more peace, more security, more provision and more joy in your life, amen? amen. In order to live a life at peace with God, be united with Him in eternity, we have to trade our dreams for His. We've got to trade our dreams for His. And this is, this is uh, a verse that I want to share with you in Matthew 6, 9, and 10. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. We say it in the Lord's Prayer. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you think there's a debate in heaven with the angels, the seraphim, or the cherubs, when God asks them to do something? Do you think the angels, uh, Michael or Gabriel, say, Lord, I don't know, I don't feel like doing that today? When he asks the cherubim or the, ser- uh, the, the seraphim, to to praise and to worship no they're already compelled to praise and worship you don't have to urge them to come and do something that benefits them anyway like sometimes we got to do in the church come on folks get yourself together it's time to praise the father that's good and we'll continue to do that But you should be compelled to do that already what did he do for you on calvary what did he deliver you from what chains has he broken in your life what healings has he done what provisions has he given you that alone who he is and what he's done should be enough for you to praise and worship him without the prompting of men but who he is thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven so when i pray that i say lord that will be done on earth, in my life, in my ministry, in my marriage, with my children, as it is in heaven. Let there be no debate. Help me to carry it out quickly, and just as you want it to be done. Sometimes I do good, sometimes not so good. But that's my prayer, that I will relinquish my dreams, my wants, my desires for His. And here's the interesting thing. His desire for you is a hope and a future to prosper you. His dream for you is better than your own dream for yourself. See, your own dream for yourself is limited by the knowledge of men. No man, no mind can conceive, no eye can see the things that God has planned. His ways are higher than our ways. See, your your mediocre plan that you're holding so tight to is is nothing in comparison to what the Lord wants for your life, what He wants to. He created you, He designed you with certain... desires. And he did that for a reason and a purpose. He said that with, for a purpose. And when we align our gift, talent, skills, and abilities, our desires with God's desires, now we have fulfillment. Now we are walking in peace and light and joy because we're doing the will of the Father. When see when you try to do it for your own things, when you use your talents for your own uh, personal gain and not for honoring God there's going to be some challenges there, more challenges than there would be in, unless you align yourself with God. Here's what we know. In Revelations 20, in 2 Timothy 2, it says, if we endure the hardships of this world right now, we will rule and reign with the Father. Surrender your life to Him today. Trade your dreams for His dreams. Seek the Father for His will. In your, pri- in your private time, in your prayer life, say, Father, what would you have me to do? Young and old. My senior saints, I love you, praise God. I know you're out there. You're not done yet. If you're still breathing, God's got a plan for you. You could be a prayer warrior, an intercessor. You could be a mentor, a counselor. God's not done with you yet. Keep going. young Young people, When you're doing life plans and career paths and college courses seek the Lord first get into his word it says in his word thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path his word get in his word he's going to show you what to do where to go and he'll provide a way for you you won't have to stress you won't have to worry about how am i going to pay for this course or do this or that what am i going to do When you align yourself with God's will, He will make a way where there seems to be no way. Amen. Praise God. So my challenge to you is this, seek the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Praise God, praise God. At this time I'm going to invite a friend to read to you, as has been our custom, Psalms 91. Is our prayer during this time this pandemic we love you we haven't forgotten about you I want to encourage you all be faithful in your tithing we got a Dropbox here at the church you can uh, text to give you can send it in there's a tab online uh, please be faithful you guys are generous we thank you for that continue to do that so we can uh, continue with God's ministry Carson you ready all right, yeah. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys you at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Amen. Praise God. I pray that He be with you. Uh, let me just say a prayer for you right now. Father God in heaven, thank you for everyone who's tuned in. I pray that they'll share this, Lord, and that. We would learn to trade our will for your will in our life. Let it be so. We ask and pray in the mighty name of Jesus. God bless you. We love you. Until we meet again.